0: Hello listeners, Uh, this is Jay Sraj, uh, your host for the Michigan Ross uh, Executive Perspectives podcast. Uh, Welcome to the seventh episode of the series. Uh, Today's session, we're gonna talk about managing the workplace diversity, which has become a priority among organizations in the region today. Uh, For example, the UAE has one of the largest net migration rates uh, with about 89% of population composed of expats and immigrants. So workplace diversity has become a common topic of conversation among employers, hiring managers, recruiting professionals, and diversity and inclusion in the workplace over the years has gone beyond just being a case of factoring race, age, or gender. And now it's become more of a quest to add value to the business. So increasingly, <clears throat> business leaders are seeing that encouraging diversity in the workplace have several tangible benefits for the company, for the employees, for the shareholders. So to discuss with me the topic today, uh, we have Maliha Jilani, partner at the Dubai office at Hydric Struggles and member of the Hydric and Struggles Global Social Impact Practice, and Tamika Curry-Smith, the Chief Diversity Officer at Arm Limited, LEO lecturer and member of the Alumni Board of Governors at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business, to share their valuable insights on how diversity will work in the workplace how it can help organizations reach their goals and how they can actually become a benchmark for others. Uh, Welcome.
1: Thank Uh, you, excited to be here. Thank you, Jay. Great to be here.
0: So before we start, uh, uh, we want to set the stage really by talking about what diversity and equity mean uh, at work. So, Maliha, from your perspective, uh, what does it mean? What are the benefits and who should be responsible for making it happen in the workplace?
2: Yeah, Jay, it's it's great to be here to discuss this very relevant and important topic. But it's important to define the terms. So we'll start with that. Um, Diversity is the presence of differences. And differences can come in the form of people with different perspectives, experience, age, ability, race, ethnicity, gender. These are all ways that people can bring diversity. Whereas equity is more about fairness. So where everyone is provided equal access to resources so that they can attain their full potential. Ensuring diversity and equity in the workplace has many benefits, where diversity is not just the right thing to do, but also the key for businesses to thrive and survive in a very fast-paced environment. And we're seeing more and more that like-minded thinking will in fact be detrimental to businesses while fresh diverse perspectives can bring new solutions and innovation. And ultimately it's these different viewpoints that can really strengthen an organization and contribute to the bottom line. So essentially diversity in the workplace can and does drive financial performance. So looking at diversity from a gender perspective Uh, boosting the number of women in work is it's not just a moral imperative, but it does have measurable impact on the bottom line. Because the unique perspectives that women bring in the case of gender diversity, this is this is really the conclusion of a growing body of evidence. It's not just me saying this, but we're seeing more and more that this evidence has been persuading companies and governments around the world to act. So we we really need to create a culture where we treat each other as equals. We encourage each person to have a voice, no matter what their background is. And that's where the true value really comes in. I'll I'll give you an example. We have this report um, at Hydric and Struggles that we published earlier this year, Um, actually last year. It's the route to the top, where we spoke to over thousand CEOs from across 24 countries And we saw that the share of women appointed to CEO roles had dipped to 6% in the second half of 2020, but then it rose back up to 13% in the first half of 2021. So we're seeing that progress towards gender equity has surged forward in 2021, which was a bit of a change from the previous year. And we can attribute that to the pandemic where we saw that companies were reverting back to their comfort zone of appointing executives with prior CEO experience and leadership track record, which often were men. So the latest results are indeed a positive step forward. And it's likely that the result of the combined um, impact of regulatory requirements for gender balance in the corporate ranks have been implemented by many countries in our study as well as uh, stakeholder pressure and a a conscious decision to gain fresh perspectives through a fairer gender balance. So this this is really what we're seeing as the key benefits. Now, going back to your question about who should be responsible for diversity in the workplace. I truly believe that diversity begins with the board. So from the very top, as it's about having representation and and empowering people with diverse backgrounds in the organization to speak up. So it's really about having diverse people making the decisions for the organization so that ultimately the policies that are put in place are not biased and and are equitable. And and more importantly, there needs to be a lot of accountability for this to happen. So really, again, it really comes down to having that accountability at the very top of the organization.
0: Okay, I mean, you bring uh, really good points here. So uh, I like how you differentiated uh, between the uh, diversity side and the equity side and its impact on its implementation within uh, the corporation. So Tamika, from that perspective, do you see another element or do you see a different depth uh, to uh, uh, Malija's points on on the separation between those two uh, concepts?
1: Um, I I think she made some great points, completely agree with everything that she said. You know, I I always like to say diversity is, um, as she explained, both visible and invisible differences, characteristics, experiences that make us all unique. And the reality is that we are all diverse in some way, shape or form. So I also like to make that distinction because oftentimes people think, uh, you know, only a certain segment of the population is quote unquote diverse. depends on the dimension of diversity that you're referring to. So we're all diverse in some way, shape or form because we all have uh, unique characteristics that make us who we are. A point about equity that I like to make is that sometimes the, the concept of equity is really hard for people to understand. And so I like to differentiate equity from equality. So equality is about treating everyone the same or kind of a one size fits all approach to things. Equity is very different. Equity says, how can I give people what it is that they need to be successful, to grow and to to have the support that they need to advance in an organization? And that may mean different things for different people. So equity work is really about um, removing barriers that could be impeding access for some and leveling the playing field. So I like to use one of the analogies you can use is, you know, we all have different sized feet so what would what we just say let's give everyone a size uh, you know 36 shoe and and you have to figure out how to make it fit no we give people the shoes that fit their feet so we should think about equity work in the same way within the context of an organization how do you give people what it is that they need to be successful uh, and so you really have to understand what that is for different individuals and different groups of employees and then the last thing that i think we also need to add to the conversation is this concept of inclusion. So you can have diversity in an organization, you can have people who uh, come from different backgrounds, but if you really don't leverage uh, those perspectives and that experience, then you don't have inclusion. And what happens in many organizations is they bring in people from different backgrounds and say, we're a diverse organization, but then they expect those people to, fit in and to be like everyone else. And thus they're not even taking advantage of the diversity that exists. So inclusion is about how do you listen to, tap into, um, integrate and value and appreciate those diverse perspectives that are all around you? How do you make sure people from different backgrounds are involved in decision-making and brainstorming and charting the course of an organization? And the reason why inclusion is important is that when people feel seen, heard, valued, and respected, then they show up and they do their best work. And so inclusion is really a bit of an unlock that allows um, diversity to really thrive in organizations. And you can certainly have diversity, but not have inclusion. So many of us that do this work, I've been doing uh, this work for about 20 years in different organizations. We use the the acronym of DEI for diversity, equity, and inclusion, because all three of those concepts have an important role to play.
0: Okay, so I mean, right now we're getting into the second level of depth in terms of uh, how inclusion in this case will help diversity become uh, a part of the foundation of the organization and how equality and uh, equity in the same manner uh, becomes more of the implementation of it. so uh, in, in in that perspective then uh, maliha you're the expert in the Middle East business. Uh, so how are businesses approaching diversity and equity, and how do you, did you see it evolve uh, in the past, let's say uh, decade or so?
2: Yeah, we've seen a lot of changes, but if if we just take a step back and we look at the region itself, The demographics of the region and the diverse population that we have here in the Middle East, uh, we already have quite a rich cultural footprint. And given that a large uh, proportion of the population consists of expatriates uh, here in in the Middle East, we're fortunate to leverage that diversity that these individuals bring. So this diversity of nationalities, experiences, perspectives Thought, this, is, this is what the Middle East is all about. And we, we really have a lot to learn from, from each other. So that, that's a really great thing about this region. Now, when we move to gender diversity, we're, we're seeing a lot of changes. And I, I've been here in the, in the region for about 15 years now. And I've seen a lot of change over this uh, last 15 years. More recently, we're seeing a lot of companies look at um, initiatives that that are company led um, where they really put in policies to, so, so I'm talking more about gender diversity here, um, policies for more flexible working environments, you know, better maternity policies. All of this is to encourage um, and support women coming back into the workforce or those who have multiple responsibilities outside of work. Now, fortunately, the pandemic has really helped remove this stigma of flexible working and remote work, which was always there and, and I think women with, with those extra responsibilities always had this tough battle. you know it was it was always a, a bit of a stigma. and that is one of the good things that we've seen as a result of the pandemic.' It's, it's really gone away and now flexible work is the norm and it's you know nobody bats an eyelid when you when you're you know doing flexible work. So this has really helped a lot of uh, women who are juggling a lot of responsibilities, and it, it's it's really made a big difference. Um, we're also seeing, um, as we look at companies, and these are international companies, as well as local companies here in the region, in the Middle East, we're seeing them, these companies build gender equality into the hiring and promotion process as well. So things like you know, unconscious bias training, um, making sure that you are thinking of diversity when you're hiring someone, when you're promoting people from within. This, in fact, we're seeing in our work. So so in executive search, when we are asked to recommend candidates for senior executive positions or for boards, we make it a point to ensure that our shortness Consist of diverse backgrounds, and this is diversity in every every angle, right? So it's diversity of, of gender, nationality, experience, and this is really the true value of, of what people bring in. So, so companies are, are, are doing more and more of this. And then the other piece, which I think is, is more of a ground up kind of a, a, an area is companies in the region have been focusing more and more on planning for the future. So it's not just about hiring people at the top or promoting people to the top, but it's about building diverse pipelines within the organization. So really investing in the development of female talent so that ultimately this, this talent can be the future leaders of, of these organizations. So overall, I'm I'm seeing we're seeing a lot more focus on this topic. It's being it's being talked about, it's being discussed and we are starting to see some action. Now, is it enough? I think there's, it can never be enough. I think we just all need to do more, but at least I feel that we are headed in in the right direction.
0: This is um, uh, an approach that has been uh, quite controversial in terms of whether it's being uh, implemented in uh, good faith or it's being implemented for Uh, the improvement of the uh, business financials. But uh, in the last episode uh, of this podcast, we were talking about sustainability and the challenges around the implementation of sustainability within the uh, corporate culture and in terms of implementing it to to impact the uh, financial bottom lines. So in this case of diversity and equity, uh, what kind of challenges do you see uh, in terms of getting uh, organizations in the Middle East specifically improve and continue to drive uh, DEI uh, 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 into their organizations? Yeah,
2: look, we've, we've made a lot of progress, but there are many challenges. And uh, COVID was is one of the biggest challenges. It really disrupted the entire workforce, really changing the ways of working. And it, it really did slow down any progress that was made for gender diversity over the years. During the pandemic alone, we saw over one and a half million women exit the workforce in the US alone. And and the same trends we see across the globe. So there's there's a lot that that happened during COVID. But if we look at the Middle East um, and specifically the challenges here, um, according to some data that I've looked at at from the World Bank, even before the pandemic, uh, the the Middle East has had the lowest female labor participation in the world with, with an average of about 27%. And the pandemic has has further driven that gap between men and women in the region. That being said, countries in the the Middle East are taking the right steps uh, in the right direction to close that gap. Uh, For example, in Saudi Arabia with their Vision 2030, they have a goal to to increase women's participation in the workforce from 22% to 30%. So they're working on that and I visit Saudi very frequently and I'm seeing that, you know, I'm seeing a lot more women in the workforce, in companies working in senior positions. So we're slowly seeing that happen. So that, that's, that's definitely good. And, um, and, and the goal is really developing talent and, and the country really does see Saudi women as an, a good, great asset, given that you know, 50% of the, of the university graduates are female. And, and so the World Bank has recognised Saudi for um, you know a lot of reform that has happened over the last several years um, to advance women's economic participation, and, and you're seeing more and more women in the workforce in senior roles. Um, if we turn our attention to the UAE, um, there is increasing awareness about, you know, increasing that, that women's representation in the workplace. And it's it's seen as a top national priority as part of the UAE's vision as well. And, um, and there's different uh, rules and regulations that the government has put in to support this. So last year, there was a, a regulation that mandated listed companies to have at least one woman on their boards. So this is a small step but at least it's, it's gonna have one woman and then hopefully more. And, and the, you know, when you have one woman on the board, it'll attract other women as well. So it's, it's, it's you know, we're, we're headed hopefully in the right direction. Um, and now we're seeing that, that the UAE is, is, has consistently been ranked first you know, in, the, in the Arab world over the last couple of years in the gender equality index of the uh, UNDP's uh, human development report. But globally, you know, it's there's still a lot more work to be done. So, good progress, but I do feel the journey has just begun, and, and we need to continue on that. Um, and and just one more thing I would add is another challenge that we see in the region and also around the world is this shift from you know having women just in the workplace, but also encouraging and promoting them to move into more senior roles in the C-suite, and and generally. The challenge we're facing in the Middle East isn't the lack of female talent. It's it's just that there's not enough women in senior positions. So there is a strong pipeline of women in the workforce um, and and there's a healthy pipeline moving up. But as we get to higher levels, that percentage substantially decreases. So that's another challenge is to to find ways to keep these women in the workforce and continue to to grow and and help promote them.
0: Okay, so... um... I think when uh, I've listened uh, to to this uh, open discussion so far, there has been a lot of emphasis on uh, gender diversity. And uh, while it is extremely important, um, uh, sometimes when somebody asks me about diversity, I even think that if you bring, uh, there was a study that if you bring a bunch of people from the same university even, they would perform less than having a, a diverse educational background of this similar team uh, working in a company, even though they are not all top universities. So uh, uh, we see other dimensions of diversity uh, outside of gender, even though that is a very important one and is getting all the attention it needs, uh, uh, duly, uh, uh, rightfully so. But Tamika, what do you think there are other dimensions of diversity that Uh, we need to keep a broad view or a broad attention on in order to achieve the highest level of efficiency in terms of diversity.
1: I completely agree. And and as I said, gender diversity is, is uh, absolutely important. You know, the, the world economic forum did an analysis recently that showed that if organizations don't take any kind of proactive actions, it would take 136 years to uh, close the gender gap. So obviously, that's a big challenge and, and organizations do need to be focused on that. But as you mentioned, there are other dimensions of diversity outside of gender that are really important. Uh, Malia mentioned earlier around, um, you know, uh, many or meaning organizations have immigrants, uh, expats are, you know, are really starting to converge in different places around the world, including the Middle East. And so when you think about things like cultural or racial and ethnic diversity, religious diversity, all these things are dimensions that organizations are struggling with. Ultimately the goal is how do you bring together people who can work across difference, who can appreciate each, each other's perspective and really drive towards a common goal. And the example you gave is spot on. There's tons of research both in academic environments as well as in professional uh, settings, that heterogeneous teams—teams teams that are different—outperform homogeneous teams. And so, that example you get, you gave even from different universities. Typically, you're going to get more creativity, more innovation, um, better problem solving, better decision making. And so, the best and the most high-performing teams are teams that are heterogeneous and diverse. And so. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's it's not always easy to bring in people from different backgrounds because there is a, a forming and storming stage that is required for them to kind of gel. But once they hit that norming stage, the data clearly shows that uh, heterogeneous teams really do outperform homogeneous teams or like-minded teams or teams from similar backgrounds so for organizations that are looking to drive their business results and to optimize um, their their business goals diversity equity and inclusion are absolutely key and making sure that they're thinking about diversity broadly.
0: So to make in this case then uh, how what would be your view on the best way uh, uh, to practice diversity and equity in an organization? Uh, what's the practical approach to doing it? Uh, Because we decide we want to do it. It is the right thing to do. But what I've seen is that a lot of businesses struggle to get a starting point or struggle to really get it into the organization. Uh, What would be the best or the tools that you can recommend for them to achieve it?
1: Well, first, I would say that this work needs to be strategic. Uh, The number one message I give to organizations is treat DEI work like you would treat any other business initiative. If you really think about it from that perspective, you recognize that it can't be uh, marginalized work. It can't be work that you do if and when you have time. It truly has to be an integral part of the way that you operate. So a framework that I like to use is uh, a four pillar framework and the four pillars are workforce, workplace, marketplace, and community. So when we talk about workforce, this is basically the people in the organization. And workforce initiatives look at your entire employee um, pipeline from how do you attract talent, how do you recruit them and bring them in, and then how are you developing them, promoting them, what kind of succession planning processes do you have in place, uh, the board uh, representation, et cetera. So the workforce initiatives really are about Um, thinking through end-to-end the employee life cycle and how do you infuse diversity, equity, inclusion into that. Workplace is then essentially the culture of the organization. What are your values? What kind of environment do you want to create? And how do you bring that to life? And so under the umbrella of workplace would be things like um, your performance evaluation process and your leadership expectations, your compensation and benefits philosophy, um, doing and having things like employee resource groups that are driving inclusion in the organization. This would include training and learning that you're doing earlier. Maliha mentioned uh, unconscious bias training, for example, that would be a part of how do you drive an inclusive uh, workplace culture. And then it also includes your internal communication. How are you talking about DEI? Who is was talking about it, uh, it needs to be driven from the top, so not just uh, if you have someone that's leading diversity in the organization, but the CEO, the C-suite leaders, they all need to be talking about this work and kind of making sure people see that it's important to the organization. The third pillar is marketplace. This is all your business-facing initiatives and so it's really important that we, as you said earlier, that DEI is not just the right thing to do, but it's a business driver. So when you think about your products and services, are they, um, are they addressing the needs of a diverse set of consumers? What does your customer segmentation strategy look like? How are you building um, DEI into your sales and marketing strategies are you speaking to uh, a, a wide variety of potential customers and audiences? Um, when you procure products and services, do you have a diverse set of vendors and suppliers that you're tapping into? And uh, you know, really thinking about your everything down to your company website. Um, does it reflect uh, your commitment to DEI? And also visually, does it show people from different backgrounds? Because candidates uh, and, and other people from the outside do go to company websites and they're looking to understand practically what you're doing in this space. And then the last area is community. And this is really about how do you um, invest in the areas where your employees live, where you um, where your operations are based. and this includes your philanthropic work, um, a lot of initiatives that are focused on the community, uh, in terms of relations you have there, who are your external partners, and uh, also includes your external communication and messaging. So what are you sharing outside? Are you being transparent about, Uh, what you're addressing, and what your focus areas are. And then how do you build, um, work with your community to support them and to help build the pipeline of talent that can kind of circle back to that workplace. So it's all connected, it's end to end, it's enterprise wide. And when you have a holistic DEI strategy, you want to make sure that it includes internal and external, that it includes people and business facing initiatives. Okay,
0: so um, Maliha, then now we have a toolbox of these four pillars uh, that can be used to speed up the process. So how can we actually now do it uh, uh, in the Middle East? How do we get it integrated into companies within the Middle East and uh, uh, to, to improve its efficiency?
2: Yeah, look, there are many mandates out there, and and I really like this model, Tamika. I I really like how you're looking at it holistically, your focus on people, the culture, the interactions with the business, uh, with the community, because at the end of the day, well-being, diversity, inclusion, flexible work, all of these end up being competitive advantages. When employees are looking at an organization, you're absolutely right. You know, they go and look at the website, and, and they're... Um, they're considering all these things as they're looking at job uh, opportunities so there's there's a lot of things that we we can do and um, I feel in the in recent years there's a lot of there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of uh, attention that this topic has been getting which is great and and we do need to now focus on action so that that's that's really key and an action in the form of ensuring that company goals are aligned, leadership needs to be aligned on this completely on the strategy um, and we really need to look closely at the policies that impact diversity equity inclusion and and this needs to be part of the DNA of the organization at all levels you know from the hiring process to the retention to promotion all of it needs to all come together um, so again, Given that, that here in the Middle East, we do focus more on the gender diversity, I'll, I'll talk about that. Um, organizations, are, they need to take more responsibility to support women, to help their growth by providing them with training opportunities, um, access to this growth and, and giving them encouragement. And one of the key things that we see is, is mentorship. Uh, mentorship is, is very important where women need to be surrounded by good female uh, role models that they can look up to, that they can learn from. But mentorship alone isn't gonna work. With mentorship, you need sponsorship. And and that is is really critical to, to really have that sponsorship of women at every level. So mentorship happens when you're present in the room. But sponsorship happens um, when your voice is being represented without your presence. And that is really what's needed here. That the role of the sponsor needs to be to, to remove any any roadblocks, any impediments, to, to really intervene and influence on behalf of the employees. So that combination of, of mentorship with sponsorship, that is, is, is very important. And, and then we need to, like I was saying before, you know, we need to look at growing the female talent pool and really building this this pipeline of women that can rise to the the C-suite and and giving them the opportunities. The the issue is that many of these women are not visible and and we need to do everything that we can to make them more visible and and represent them at at every level. Uh, So one of the ways to do this is is by enforcing the quotas that some governments have set. So this uh, this quota, for example, for the boards, this will help bring more diversity on, on boards. But then we need to also look at programs at the company level. Um, I'll speak a little bit about a program that we have here at Hydrogen Struggles that we've established over the years. Uh, it's an employee resource group that is there to support women. It's called the Women's Inclusion Network, or WIN, as we like to call it. Uh, And it offers women in the firm at all levels, the opportunities to connect, to learn, to to really reach their their full potential. So the way we do this is is women are encouraged and they're supported so that they can take on additional responsibilities and and create their own paths, especially at times where they themselves may doubt, you know, themselves and somebody is there to kind of promote them and, and, and encourage them. So we do this by listening to them. We we try to understand what the needs are. We celebrate the achievements and, and we give them the role models that they, they need, where they can learn from. And we've also established uh, champions of, of change. And these champions are both men and women because this uh, growth and this development of women is, is only gonna happen when we have men and women in the room. Uh, you know, supporting supporting this to happen. So, so these are just
0: some of the ways that, that we have done it within our firm. Okay, so uh, Tamika, I think uh, here the the two main points uh, that are being brought in, into uh, the question, which is the first one, uh, in terms of uh, uh, di not being visible across the organization, and in terms of at the same uh, at the same time having sometimes like a quota in order to determine whether it's being done. This might work, for example, on diversity. But in terms of when you talked about inclusion, how do you get a measure on inclusion? If we're talking about uh, equity in terms of fairness, how do you, how do you address the equality side of it? So uh, having a quota alone is not enough to actually get the practice of DEI into an organization. But how would you know if it's actually practicing it or not?
1: Yes, yeah, so I am a recovering accountant, I joke, because prior to getting into DEI work, I was uh, in public accounting and management consulting. So I'm very numbers driven. I believe in um, thinking about outcomes. And believe it or not, you can measure the D, the E, and the I. And I think it, you know to help organizations understand, how, are they really practicing it, number one? And then number two, is what they're doing effective? We have to get back to the basics and measure ourselves. Uh, There's this saying that um, you get what you measure and what gets measured gets done. And I truly believe in that. And so just like organizations set goals and they measure their progress and they hold people accountable for other business initiatives, for example, sales and marketing and operations, all those have goals and numbers that people are held accountable for. We need to do the same with DEI. So I say, start with the end in mind set some goals set some targets for where you want to go and then what you need to do is then report on that regularly Um, that could be everything from quarterly for things like diversity and representation it could be semi-annually for things like inclusion so many organizations will do uh, employee engagement surveys where they do measure um, how do different people respond to overall engagement, but then also uh, diversity, equity and inclusion specific questions. So you can get a sense from that and they some do that semi annually, sometimes they do it annually and then sometimes they'll do pulses, which are smaller uh, segments of that employee engagement survey along the way. And then, uh, you know, you also can measure things like equity Typically, you want to look at that at least twice a year during your mid-year review cycle and your end-of-year review cycle. And how you measure equity is you want to look at outcomes. Are, ec- are outcomes equitable? So for example, if you look at promotion rates for men and women uh, you know, at that same level for the same tenure, that's known as promotion velocity. You want to see that those promotion rates are similar. If they're not, that could show some inequity in the system. You also want to look at things like your recruiting processes and who is applying versus who is getting hired. That can also show uh, inequitable processes. So there are uh, numbers that can give us a lot of insight and help us if we're data driven in this space. And if we apply the same rigor that when it comes to measurement and metrics and accountability that we do with other business strategies, let's apply that same Um, analysis to DEI and it can really not only show are we progressing or not, but then it can also indicate areas where we may need to focus because we may be regressing in those areas or they may really show and highlight areas of opportunity. So start with the data, set goals, measure progress and hold people accountable. That's how we know if we're practicing what we say we want to achieve.
0: Okay, excellent. So, um, Unfortunately, in the last uh, couple of minutes that we have uh, for this podcast, um, my question really to you at the end for both of you that I want to get your opinion. uh, We talked about the data part uh, in terms of ensuring the implementation of DI within organization and we talked about the human part. Uh, Do you think the business case for practicing diversity is becoming stronger? And for those uh, uh, listeners who are listening to us now that still have doubt uh, about it, and they still look at it more like uh, a check uh, box that needs to be ticked uh, within the organization, what what final words do you have for them? Uh, Maliha, let me start with you.
2: Yeah, I would say it's definitely not just a check box. It's really important to keep in mind that, that you know, looking at diversity, inclusion, and all of this in, in, in everything that we do, it's not, it shouldn't be just about corporate branding. It, it actually, and we've seen this in studies, it actually impacts the bottom line when it's done right. So that's, that's why it's critical for, for all organizations to start prioritizing it and not just doing it just as a, as a ticking of the box uh, exercise. Yeah,
1: and I would say we need to remember the why uh, to really think about why we're doing this work. We've said many times, yes, it's the right thing to do, but we've also identified that it is a business imperative. Candidates, employees, customers, investors, they're all looking at what organizations are doing in the DEI space. And so it can and will be a competitive differentiator. The question for organizations is which side of that will you be on? Will you be on those that are leading and really driving this work or the ones that are being left behind? If, what I say to business leaders often is if I could tell you, what if I have something that if you do it, it would drive more creativity and innovation. It would result in better problem solving and decision making. It would have higher employee engagement and productivity. It would lower your turnover and your litigation rates. It would give you higher market share, higher revenue, profits, shareholder return. Would you do that? And everyone says, yes, but the reality is focusing on DEI achieves all those business outcomes. So by no means is it, or should it be a check the box exercise? It really should be something that organizations focus on if they're really trying to drive business results. And so that's what I always is always highlight is it's much more than just a marketing. Will it help your marketing? Yes, but it also drives bottom line impact.
0: Right. So... Uh... Tamika and uh, Maliha, I think personally with uh, people with your line of thinking and uh, your view on things, uh, that gives us uh, quite a bit of big hope in the future that we're going to have more equality, more equity, more fairness and more diversity. So uh, I personally enjoyed that conversation. i uh, um, Hoping that uh, our listeners did as well, or I'm sure I'm, uh, our listeners did as well. And I uh, appreciate you being here and taking the time to do this.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Same here. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.